Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to History Dweebs. I'm Tim. I'd like to welcome you to our episode which is on the outlaw Elmer McCurdy, who had a pretty interesting career as a bank robber and train robber, but an even more interesting um, career uh, as a curiosity uh, in his post-mortem days. We're going to get into that. That's dead. Yeah, that means dead. Some of our After listeners. death, yes. I know Scott listens to the podcast, uh, Scotty K. Yeah. That's, post-mortem means after death. Oh, okay. Scott. So, uh, Scott, yeah. Happy birthday, Scott, by the way. Oh, yeah. Today's his birthday. It is. So, happy birthday to Scott. We're dedicating this one to you, Scotty. Yes. He has a new podcast. Um, and if you get a chance, uh, we got links to it on our Facebook page. Check it out. Scotty J's uh, History Podcast, I believe is the name of it. And, uh, I listened to uh, his um, podcast the other day on um, John Wilkes Booth. It was pretty good. So, if you get a chance, check it out. Scott's pretty much an expert on John Wilkes. Man, he is. And, and you know, I wonder why can't he pick a good guy? Why can't <laughs> all Scott these pick assassins a good guy? and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I know he likes Aaron Burr too. So he likes <laughs> the gangsters. He does it. Aaron Burr was crazy. The OGs. Okay, um, so let me um, do a quick introduction here. We're without our, um, you know, we're without the evil force today. Brandy. We are. Is not with us, and I know that you know she has her own little following out there. Cult, uh, the cult of cackling hens, <laughs> Team Brandy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I know she has her own little following out there. Her own little, you know, cult. A little. She's sort of the James, Jane, uh, uh, Jim Jones of the uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, Brandy is currently where she at, Colonel. Brandy and. Was it Winona Ryder that was got arrested for stealing all the stuff? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, so Brandy, Brandy, now you know Brandy worked here. Her day, her husband got a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandy, Brandy, she know, doesn't she, need to steal. She, she doesn't need to steal. Yeah, that's but the she's odd a thing. kleptomaniac. Yeah. And uh, Brandy was out shopping at the dollar store of all things. Yeah. And just loaded a bunch of stuff up in her purse. And didn't pay for it. Seventeen dollars worth of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so she's currently incarcerated at, yeah, we at hope the Hamilton be County at- Justice Center. If you want to put any money on a commissary account, <laughs> um, it is. Um, and, and actually, if you just send a money order that said apply to the devil's commissary account, they'd know who she was down there. Yeah, yeah. They just look for the cell where they they just, you know, follow the pentagrams or guess. <laughs> Pretty or, much, yeah. 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 Uh, so um, we're hoping Brandy will be, uh, you know, free soon, uh, at least out on bail to join us for our next podcast. And I, I know we took some, you know, you know, my mom, you know, who listens to all our podcasts, she was, she seemed disappointed in our last podcast because only one person died in it. That was a... <laughs> Daddy likes a lot of death. Yeah, that was the podcast was on um, Tony Joe and the Cowboys. She, yeah. She said, well, only one person were killed. It's <laughs> like, how many, how many, you know, do we need a quota? I mean, what? So for those of you who like serial killers, we have a top, we, you know, I, I, I always um, hesitate to talk about future topics because 
We never know what the hell we're doing from one day to the next. But we, um, and we change our mind a lot. But well, we, and we should note that we work together, and none of us know if we're going to have a job one day to the Well, exactly. you pretty much know if you're going to have a job, but me and the devil, we don't know from well, one yeah. day to the Well, you don't know. She, you know, she, even if she's here, she's, you know, has a, a, a ankle unit bracelet on. So. Yeah. But um, so I hesitate to promote future podcasts, but we do have one on the serial killer coming up. It's going to be pretty good. And we have one on a murder mystery. I know a lot of our listeners like murder mysteries and they listen to other podcasts. They have murder mysteries. It's not really our thing, but we're going to do one. I think it's going to be a really good one um, and, uh, you know, coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. If you like, you know, you like a lot of murder, you like a lot of death, you like a lot of gore, we've got them coming up. It won't be in this episode, but it'll be coming up soon. So, Mom, hang in there. Yeah, and this one that we're, we Timmy talking about right now, this one occurred right within a mile is the crow flies at the colonel's house. Yeah, yeah, very um, close. Um, the, the the murder mystery we're talking about. We won't do it today, but we're going to be doing it soon. I think you'll I'll think you enjoy it today though. Uh, let me introduce first my coworker here, the Honorable Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters III, affectionately known as Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Oh, quite well, Timmy. Now that we can do a podcast without constantly being interrupted by... Yeah. Oh, Marvin's wife should be happy this podcast. Yeah, Marvin, run and get your wife, because this won't be the devil jumping in, blah, 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 yeah. when people are trying to make intelligent conversation. Yeah, cussing like a sailor. Oh, she does. She, she, she fits right. blush one day. She fits right in there, down there at the Justice Center, though. She, she does. Yeah. She, and if you see, if you stay up late at night, um, you might catch her on the show Lock Up. It's, yeah. I think it's on yeah. MSNBC or something. Lock Up. Lock yeah. Up. yeah. She'll probably, probably see the devil on that. Probably will. She's well. She's probably in solitary confinement. This <laughs> yeah, she normally is. Yeah, yeah. They but got they put a little cross and garlic at the edge of her thing to keep her from crossing the line. Oh my god! Now Brandy will be back soon. She actually is not feeling good today, so uh, get better, Brandy. Uh, even though she doesn't listen to her podcast, but that's a whole other issue. Um, so, um, let's, Colonel, let's talk about uh, any shout-outs real quick before we get started. I'm just I'm going to give my normal three. Um, of course, Beverly, you know we think about you every day. Um, Beverly, me, me and Beverly have some exchanges. You and Lady um, Beverly? Me and Lady Beverly uh-huh. on uh, Facebook. She keeps me updated on what's going on in her life, and she lives a very interesting life. I, I really... And and you can find my Facebook page, and if anybody wants to Facebook me and friend me, you can. I love to hear, you know, I have a peculiar thing. I like to hear about people just, you live in Texas, you live in mm-hmm. California, whatever. What is your life like? What are your kids like? What yeah, are you, I'm I mean, that's interesting that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so Lady Beverly, as I said last year, she's got a brilliant daughter. She uh, So she keeps me up on what's going on over in Britain and... She had some questions about American football that, you know, mm-hmm. I answered for her. And, and, of course, we're going to give a shout-out to um, our our number one fan and, and the holder of all that is dear to us in our hearts, Dottie Scott. Yeah, she's, um, she's healing, but she wants more death and mayhem. Well, Dottie, time. we're going to get you more death. We'll we'll do a we'll do the Hindenburg disaster or something for you. <laughs> That'll make her very um, happy. We're going to try to average six, seven deaths per episode for you, Dottie. <laughs> yeah. But because uh, one is just not enough. One just not it's enough. It's not worth enough. her time. <laughs> she's a, she's, Jesus, I was like, Mom, she shot the guy point blank. He's praying for his life. Took his clothes off. Took his <laughs> clothes off. He's shivering, praying for his life on his knees. She shoots him point blank between the eyes. I mean, how much yeah, more, more? But it was just one. Yeah, it was just one. I, I didn't see much to that. All right, so um, you know, blame me, Mom. I pick out the episode. So uh, okay, so uh, okay, Lady Beverly and to Canute. I want to give a shout out to Tricia H, who sent us a nice email. Michael Moody, who sent us a nice email. And to uh, the folks, uh, a couple of folks who get left us nice reviews on iTunes, we really appreciate it. If you leave us an, uh, a review on iTunes, it means so much to us because that helps other people find us. Um, so if you uh, like the show and you enjoy listening to us, um, get a chance. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a uh, review on iTunes. And thank you for the people who take, took the time to do so. 
Um, so any other shout outs or we're just going to jump right in? Well, and, and we got Storm. Storm, Storm, of course. Storm. Storm is pretty much, Storm and Rudy are pretty much the mascots of the show. Absolutely. And shout out to Allie and also to Brittany Nicole. Did you get her um, picture in the mail yet? I had a problem with the picture. Timmy, you know what? I went up, I had, I went up there, I got an 8x10. Mm-hmm. When it came out, it was very pixelated, and I said, you know, this is not really the quality that the Colonel needs. Isn't it? Doesn't it live up to your standards? It does not. And uh, so I sent him another one, and I will pick that up tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I apparently, decided the file I sent him wasn't big enough. Oh, okay. And they needed to. They needed a bigger file, so. So you sent a digital. You getting a digital one printed? Yeah, I'm getting a digital printed, and uh, Rudy got to sign it. Okay. And, uh, okay. We'll so out to you. we haven't forgot about you, Brittany and Nicole. Yeah, it's it's coming. Okay, so let's talk about the outlaw. Elmer McCurdy. He had an interesting life. And this guy really did more for law enforcement than anybody else. <laughs> he really did. I mean, he, he, was, a, he was pretty much a deputy. It <laughs> was a strange, bizarre story. So, um, no, he's not a serial killer. There's not a lot of mayhem in this, but well, a lot of mayhem, just not a lot of murder, but it, it, it's a funny story. So, um, I'm going to read it, and the colonel is going to commentary because the colonel has a um, malady, I guess you would say. The the colonel has uh the colonel, and you got to be careful with this. <laughs> this is silly to even talk about it. But the well, colonel, I mean the HIPAA laws. You the, you don't have to. Ex- uh, no, the colonel the colonel them. likes hard mints. Yeah, you know those little red and white peppermint. But I like them in the green. I like the green kind. I like the green kind. Of. Um, those little star mints or whatever the hell you call mm-hmm. them. But my problem is the colonel impatient, mm-hmm. and I chew them. Mm-hmm. And when you chew them and you crack them, <laughs> they become sharp like shards of glass. Yeah. And I actually, <laughs> Timmy, <laughs> I impaled my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when you put a big slice on your tongue like that, it becomes a canker sore. And, and so it, you're struggling a little bit with it, your... It can be very difficult to talk and, and even eat. Yeah. So oh, I bet I bet it is. Yeah. So you're uh, you're kind of injured right now. I'm playing. I'm I'm playing hurt, Timmy. Yeah, you're, you're playing but hurt. You know what? I I will. If I can if I can sit in this chair, Timmy, I will do a pot. Unlike the the, you know, the other devil person. over here, yeah. the one not here who shall not be named. Yeah, who's incarcerated? At yeah, the time. yeah. Um, you know that's funny. You mentioned that little accident because it sounds like something Elmer McCurdy would have had. <laughs> Uh, Elmer McCurdy was born in Washington, Maine, on January 1st, 1880. I got a couple of things about that. One, Washington, Maine, it's like he's living in two states. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. I don't, I don't like when people do that. I don't either. I don't like when towns name their... Like Kansas, Missouri. Yeah. It's just what the hell does that mean? It confuses the hell out of yeah. me. He was born on January 1st, 1880, which means his mother was pregnant during the holidays. Has three quarters. I, the devil got this thing about people being pregnant during the holidays, and if you the gestational period for a child is nine months, which means seventy five. There's twelve months in a year, and doing the math, which she doesn't do. Um, well, it's because we we don't want to get into yeah. any kind of disability that she right, has. Right. But, um, Her intellectual capabilities. <laughs> exactly. It means 75% of women are going to be pregnant over the holidays. Yeah. Over some holiday, for Christ's sake. But I just wanted if to... If it ain't May Labor Day or, you know, <laughs> I just Memorial wanted to throw Day. that out because I know Brandy would have brought that up if yeah. I hadn't. But it was January 1st. I wonder if he was, like, the first baby born of the year. What if his mom got any prizes or anything? It don't sound like she got a prize with this guy, Timmy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. He was the uh, son of 17-year-old Sadie McCurdy. Who was unmarried at the time of his birth, and that, that had oh, to be the whore. yeah, in 1880. Man, oh, that that's, was that's that's disgraceful. Yeah, that was probably. I mean, that was frowned upon back in the turn of the. Now know, there ain't nothing time. wrong these days. There ain't nothing wrong with no, having a baby no. outside of wedlock. No, but, but 18, back then, 1880. Man, back then, you had to wear a scarlet letter. Yeah, you, you really were. You really were ostracized. The uh, so the identity of McCurdy's father is not known, but one believes it's Sadie's cousin, Charles Smith. Uh, because later on in his life, McCurdy would use that name Charles Smith as his alias. Oh, you know, he looked and like he, he kind of acted like he's a. It's almost like John Smith. I mean, can you yeah. think of something? Yeah, John Q. Public. <laughs> yeah, I'm John Doe. John Doe. <laughs> yeah, John Doe. 
so in order to save um, Sadie the embarrassment and the shame of at the time of raising a little illegitimate child, her brother George and his wife Helen adopted young Elmer. But George died of tuberculosis. The consumption. The consumption. Can we go back to illegitimate child? Too? Yeah. Now, doesn't that term itself? Now that always baffled me. Mm-hmm. Because if you put ten kids in a in a in a line, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to tell you which one's illegitimate. Yeah, they all look like legitimate children to me. Yeah, it's a, they are children. They're not fake children. They're real children. How could they be illegitimate children? Now, I prefer the word bastard. <laughs> You're a progressive. In I'm that. a progressive. In that. Let's not use that term illegitimate because they are, in fact, it, it kind of uh, takes away their self, their sense of self, uh, their sense of humanity, yeah. their sense of personhood. Yeah. Let's just call them bastards. Yeah, that's okay? uh, really enlightened of you, Colonel. Thank you. It really too. is. So, uh, anyway, George died of tuberculosis, the consumption, in, the 18, consumption, in yeah. 1890, and Sadie and Helen moved with Elmer to Bangor, Maine. <laughs> Now, see, Elmer reminds me of some somebody called a, the Johnson, and then they moved to Banger. Yeah, Elmer moves to Banger. Um, Sadie eventually told her son that it was she and not Helen who was his real mother, so that had to be a shock. <laughs> I mean, you know what? That makes for a fun Thanksgiving note. Yeah, too. I mean, you know, you. I think it was a because you know some uncle got all drunk and it's like this she is, ain't even your mama. He, he, that, that's your mama. Didn't that man. happen on the Sopranos <laughs> with uh, <laughs> yeah. with uh, Polly? Polly Warp, Polly Walnuts, Walnuts. Yeah, they, I don't his, recall that. Yeah, his mom. He thought it was his mom. His whole time ended up being mm. his aunt. <laughs> but anyway. That's what happened there. Uh, McCurdy, uh, when he got the news, he became very upset. He grew resentful, uh, and um, you know he was a teenager when he found out. He became unruly and rebellious. Uh, he began to drinking as a teenager, uh, which would be a habit that would he continue. He would continue throughout the rest of his life. Um, so he started to work for his grandfather as a apprentice plumber, um, and. Apparently, he was kind of competent at that job. Uh, I'm not sure how much plumbing they did in the 1890s. But <laughs> he was cleaning out the outhouse. The well or something. Yeah. But anyway, he, uh, he was doing okay until there were an economic downturn in 1898, and he kind of threw him out of work. He lost his job. And in uh, August of 1900, Sadie, his real mother, she died of a ruptured ulcer. So not good, not good there. Uh, cool. And his that don't sound fun. No, no. And his grandfather died of Bright disease the following month. So Bright disease. Bright, yeah, Bright's disease. I, I'm not sure what it is. That ain't even a disease I heard of. Giggle that. Google that. Giggle Bright that. disease. Giggle that. Yeah, write that down. It's the eyeball consumption. <laughs> um, so shortly, after, so he he had a lot of deaths in a short period of time in his family. Shortly after his grandfather's death. McCurdy left Maine and began drifting uh, in first in the eastern part of the United States and then out west. He, he, he kind of went from town to town. He got jobs as a uh, miner and as a plumber. He would just do odd jobs. He was, it was hard for him to keep a job, though, due to his um, drinking. He was, at this point, a full-blown alcoholic. Yeah, so there ain't nothing worse than a half-ass alcoholic. No, he was dedicated. He was yeah. a full-blown alcoholic by the time he was in his early twenties. He eventually made his way to Kansas, out west, where he worked as a plumber in Sherryville, Kansas, uh, and then moved to Lola, where in eight Lola, Lola, Kansas. <laughs> when you think that, I keep going back to this. To me, the Kings, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the Kings. When you think that, like every faucet would be leaky. Back then, I, you would think so. I mean, I'm not sure because I don't know that they had rubber invented back then. Yeah, I'm not sure what. So how'd you put washers in there? I have no idea what he was doing, but Brett's yeah. disease is a kidney disease, Timmy. Okay, well that took out his grandfather. Uh, in 1905, he was arrested for public intoxication. That was the first time he was arrested. Uh, he then relocated to Webb City in Missouri. Um, in 1907, Elmer McCurry. Joined the United States Army. He was assigned to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Which is appropriate. Yeah, well, yeah. in his, in, in his life. Um, and he was a 
machine gun operator and was trained to use nitroglycerin in demonstration for demonstration purposes. Um, although they believe the extent of his training was likely very minimal. When we talk about his career as a train robber, you'll find out why they <laughs> think that. But he was honorably discharged from the Army, uh, the Quartermaster Corps, in November of 1910. So he, he completed the Army okay. He made his way to St. Joseph, uh, Kansas, where he met an Army friend. And they were arrested, him and his Army friend were arrested uh, for having, um, uh, in, on November 19th, for having uh, tools of the trade, shall we mm-hmm. say. Um, they were breaking into houses, and uh, they had paraphernalia, chisels, hacksaws, funnels for nitroglycerin and gunpowder and money sacks. So um, they were arrested. Uh, during the arrangement, arraignment, McCurdy and his friend told the judge that the tools were intended were not intended to break to break into homes, but were tools they needed to work a foot operated machine gun that they were inventing. Oh, no, yeah, that was safer. Yeah, yeah. so and believe it or not, um, the jury found McCurdy not guilty. <laughs> so he walks on the uh, paraphernalia. <laughs> he charge. came out with one of those Wiley e. Coyote blueprints. Yeah, He's like, no, this is what we was going with. Yeah, it? yeah, he got the Acme uh, blueprint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after his release from county jail, um, his short-lived career as a bank robber and train robber began. Uh, his robberies were generally con- uh, bungled affairs <laughs> <laughs> due to McCurdy's ineptness. <laughs> <laughs> McCurdy decided to, um, you know, take the skills that he learned in the army uh, using nitroglycerin. Um, and incorporated those into his robberies, although not with the best of results. Uh, this often caused problems as he was a little bit overzealous. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing worse than somebody overzealous carrying nitroglycerin to me. <laughs> and, and failed to determine the proper amount to use. <laughs> In January of 1910... Uh, McCurdy tried to rob a bank in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, he accidentally, um, the, uh, they told him that the safe could not be open. Uh, it was locked, so he put his skills to use. As a demolition expert. As a demolition expert to use, and it blew out the front of the store. <laughs> the, the safe remained intact. A 76-year-old grandmother who was knocked down by, pass- by passing by the bank chased McCurdy down the street. It was, it was the big blowout sale at the bank. Yeah, so you you getting chased. You're getting chased by a 78-year-old woman down the street. Apparently the blast knocked McCurdy down, and when he got up, uh, he, you know, he was uh, confronted by this 76-year-old grandmother who had her cane, started chasing McCurdy down the street. So he, but he did get, um, he did get away, uh, and he relocated to relatively unscathed. <laughs> relatively unscathed, not so, not so much the bank, um, but no one was killed, and he got away, and he relocated to Lipinall. I think I'm saying this right, Lipinall, Oklahoma. This, you know, to me, this reminds me. If you're going to do things, you need to have a basic understanding of law of physics. Well, he thought he had that. He got training in the because Army. Because when but. things are going to blow up, the weakest thing is going to go first. And it reminds me, quick story. <laughs> mm-hmm. My son one day, <clears throat> we had an ice storm, Timmy. Uh-huh. And my son decided to do me a favor and go out and clean my car. Very nice of him. It was. It was Taylor. And uh, a very, very smart very boy. Very thoughtful. Very Taylor. smart boy. Yeah. And he uh, comes back in. Holding the handle to my car door. Uh huh. What? <laughs> yeah. And he said, everything was frozen shut, Dad. And I said, so you just pulled like hell on the handle. And he's like, yeah, and it came off in my hand. And I was like, son, you need, as smart as y'all, son, you haven't taken a physics class, have you? Because it's going to break at the weakest point. And uh, I replaced the handle, which are not easy to fix on a, on a car, but uh, 
Taylor did has since taken a physics class, and I have not had him walking in with parts of my automobile in his hand. <laughs> well, it sounds like McCurdy probably could have benefited from a physics class. Well, if you have a safe that can't be blown, yeah, and you put you know a buttload of explosives on the safe. Mm-hmm. Where is the blast going to go? Yeah, it's got to go out, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he wasn't, you know, the brightest bulb in the world. But anyway, he moves to Lipina, Oklahoma. And there, he, him and three other men decide to rob the Iron Mountain, Missouri, Missouri Pacific train. That Who is following this guy, first of all? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's bad enough oh, that... This guy's going to be a good leader. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. take him. Yeah. Uh, McCurdy had heard that the cars on the train contained a safe with four thousand um, so, dollars. So, uh, so let me guess: we ended up with a railroad car four thousand feet in the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, they successfully stopped the train and located the safe. Uh, McCurdy then put some nitroglycerin on the safe's door, uh, but he, but again, he used a bit too much. <laughs> Now, the safe was destroyed in the blast, but so was the money. Now, McCurdy and his partners did manage to net $450 in silver coins, but the problem was that most of them were melted and confused to the frame of the safe. Not to be discouraged. Well, he was a persistent little bastard. <laughs> they took. They actually took the safe frame with the melted coins on it to a nearby uh, neighboring town, to a bank in a neighboring town. <laughs> Tried to make a deposit? To try to cash them in. The bank officials quickly notified the sheriff's department. Because... <laughs> Because they see banks, or they see they see people bringing bank safes all the time. Yeah. So anyway, McCurdy and them then hightail it out of there uh, safely. They, I mean, they keep getting away. So you give them that. Now in September, in September of 1911, McCurdy and his two of his followers robbed the Citizens Bank in Chakawa, Chakakawa. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Kansas. After spending two hours breaking into the bank wall with a hammer, <laughs> they had all the nitroglycerin <laughs> in the world. McCurdy placed nitroglycerin, a nitroglycerin charge around the door of the outer bank's outer vault. And he's persistent with it. He, yeah. he just he's going to make this work. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't. Did he ever heard of a torch? The blast. <laughs> This is the mad bomber right here, Timmy. <laughs> the blast blew the vault door through the bank, <laughs> destroying the interior, but it did not damage the safe inside. <laughs> McCurdy then tried to blow the safe door open with nitroglycerin, but the charge failed to ignite. After the lookout man got scared and ran off. And <laughs> so the metal doors flying everywhere. McCurdy and his accomplices stole about $150 in the coins that were in a tray outside the safe. So they could have just walked in. They could have broken the glass, walked in and taken those. But they beat the damn building with a hammer for two they hours. Blew up, they blew up the building for uh, $150. $150. Yeah. So um, that, later that night, the men hopped on a train, which took them to the Kansas border. So I guess this is Kansas is still territory then. So they were, they were hightailing it out there. They split up, and McCurdy made his way to a ranch of a friend, Charles Rivard, Near Batesville, Bartsville. I'm sorry, Bartsville, Oklahoma. He stayed in a hay he stayed in a hay shed on the property for two weeks and drank heavily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> McCurdy's final robbery took place on October 4, 1911. He's not given up. The robbery took place in Okessa, Oklahoma. McCurdy and two accomplices planned to rob the Caddy train after hearing that it contained $400,000 in cash that was intended as a royalty payment to the Osage Nation, I guess, to the Indians. Well, wouldn't you think of it to have $400,000 in cash? Every, every train robber in the world be lined up. Yeah. You have to take a number to I, rob I, I that I think train. he needed to, you know, to do a lot of fact-checking on his <laughs> yeah. assumptions. He, he's his raw rumors. Is this but, a decimal or a, 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 a period right here? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it turned out it didn't turn out well. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a surprise. 
Because McCur instead of the train that they. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique, and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. The caddy train that they were planning on robbing, robbing, McCurdy and his men mistakenly stopped a passenger train instead. <laughs> <laughs> Not all was lost because the men were able to steal $46 from a mail clerk. Well, there you go. <laughs> they got two Demijohns, I don't know what that is, two Demijohns of whiskey, an automatic revolver, a coat, and the train conductor's watch. <laughs> oh, those bastards took the train conductor. How do train How do they know how to sign? I don't know. <laughs> a newspaper of the uh, robbery account of the robbery later called it one of the most inept and smallest <laughs> in the history of train robbery. McCurdy at this point was disappointed by the hall and returned back to his friend Rivers Ranch on October 6th, where he began to drink heavily again with the whiskey that he has stole. So he got oh, some yeah. booze out of it. He did get some whiskey out of that, so you got to get yeah. that. Now, by this time, uh, McCurdy was also ill with... The consumption. Tuberculosis, exactly. He had, cause he had got it. Remember I said he worked in some mines off and yeah. on? Well, apparently he, he got some um, uh, uh, problems with his lungs. And uh, took to the took tuberculosis, uh, what was a mild case, and it turned into pneumonia. He was stayed up drinking with some of his ranch hands before going to sleep in the hayloft. Uh, and unbeknownst to him, that this last robbery that he did, where he got you know forty six dollars, um, they put a bounty on his head, a two thousand dollar reward <laughs> for his capture. Well, he's a public menace. Yeah, now he's he's getting the he got the attention of him. Even though he wasn't getting a lot of money, he was, he was blowing shit up everywhere. <laughs> I know everywhere. And he uh, you know that 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 ran. He into, was the Ted Kaczynski of his time. <laughs> he really was. So, um, in the early morning hours of October the 7th, 1911, a posse of three sheriffs, the brothers Bob and Stringer, Fenton and Dick Wallace, tra- traced uh, McCurdy to the uh, hayshed, hayshed, uh, hayloft uh, using bloodhounds. They surrounded the, uh, the, uh, they surrounded the building and waited for daylight. In an interview following the incident on October 8, 1911, in the Daily Examiner, a local newspaper there in Oklahoma, uh, the sheriff recalled that it began just around 7 o'clock. We were standing around waiting for him to come out when the first shot was fired at me. He missed me, and then he and I turned my attention to my and then he turned his attention to my brother. He shot three times at him, but um, he wasn't hit. Uh, we fired back every time we could, but we don't know. Uh, all of a sudden, the firing uh, stopped. When we went to uh, investigate, we found uh, Elmer McCurdy uh, laying down on the ground with uh, a gunshot wound, laying on his stomach on the ground with a gunshot wound to his chest. He had his gun had exploded, and he had, <laughs> he had accidentally shot himself, <laughs> himself down. So even his bullets are more powerful than he's expecting. He probably is like, 
You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach these bastards a lesson. I'm going to take the gunpowder out of here, put nitroglycerin in my bullet. <laughs> I guess so. So apparently he was laying on his stomach firing, and his, his gun backfired, blew his chest up, blew. So he, he died of a single gunshot wound to his chest while he was laying down firing a weapon. Do you remember Schlepp Rock, Timmy? <laughs> exactly. Now, if this was the end of the story, it'd be pretty amazing. My daddy used to say, my granddaddy used to say, son, you could fuck up a bowling ball. <laughs> well, <laughs> I believe Elmer. Yeah, Melma McCurry is in the same class. Yeah. Someone who can shoot their own self down. Yeah. In a gunfight. <laughs> and shooting yourself in the chest ain't an easy thing to do to me. Not with a rifle. No, and he, he was laying on his gun, so it wasn't like he was committing suicide. He was he was trying to shoot him, but poor Elmer. Okay, so. Oh, they got me. Now, then, this is just the beginning of Elmer's career. <laughs> he has a whole post-mortem career. That's after death, Scotty After death, J. Scotty J. Uh, uh, so, um, anyway, after he died, Elmer's body was taken to the local funeral home, the Johnson Funeral Home in Pashwaka, Oklahoma, where it went, surprisingly, went unclaimed. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The owner of the, or the, the owner and undertaker of the Johnson Funeral Home, Joseph L. Johnson, embalmed <laughs> the body. With arsenic-based preservatives, which was typically used in embalming, uh, which was typically used in the embalming in that era, and it preserved the body for a long period of time until the next of kin were notified. You know, they couldn't bury you right away. Until, yeah, the I mean, next kin. But yeah. he was a bastard, Timmy. He was a bastard, and uh, you know, but John, there's just Johnson, this undertaker, didn't know that, and they assumed that someone would pick him up once they were notified. But again, this is back in the day where you know transportation wasn't. You know, it was hard to get around, so bodies had to keep for a while. So they 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 preserved his body as best they could, so that they could wait for the family. Uh, so he, um, uh, the undertaker, shaved uh, Elmer's face. He dressed him in the suit, put him in the back of the store, waiting for the next of kin to show up. Uh, of course, the next of kin never did show up. McCurdy's bo- uh, body lay unclaimed, and. Um, John, but Johnson refused to release it for burial because he was he wanted to get paid for his services, right? Mm-hmm. So in order to recoup his losses, uh, the undertaker decides that he's going to exhibit McCurdy's body for money. So he dressed the corpse in street clothes. He placed the rifle in his hand, stands him in the corner of the funeral hall. He charges a nickel. For, to visitors to, to come and see the bandit who wouldn't give up. And he called him various different things at different times. The mystery man of many aliases, the Oklahoma outlaw, the embalmed bandit. <laughs> but anyway, and this became an attraction at his funeral home. He was charging people a nickel to come see this guy. Well, yeah. Poor Elmer. Uh, Elmer was more, shot down in a gunfight. Yeah, <clears throat> Elmer was more popular in death than he was in life. He was more successful uh, because the bandit, as he became known, became a popular attraction at funeral homes and attracted the attention of carnival promoters. And Johnson received uh, numerous offers to sell McCurdy's mummified, mummified body, uh, but he hung on to him because he, you know, he was a he was a cash cow. He was a money maker. Well, yeah, yeah, he was yeah, money maker at that point. It's like having melted coins stuck to the side of his body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, a man, on October 6, 1916, a man calling himself Aver contacted Johnson claiming to be Elmer McCurdy's long-lost brother from California. Aver, in quotes here, uh, had already contacted the Osage County, Oklahoma sheriff and the local attorney to get permission to take custody of the body and ship it to San Francisco for a proper burial. Now, you probably guessed, if you haven't already, Avier was not an honest man. Remember I said McCurdy got all types of offers to mm-hmm. sell yeah. the, the mummified body, but he turned them down. Well, it turns out that Avier was not the brother of McCurdy. But he was actually a um, carnival promoter, uh, owner of a carnival. He wanted to buy the body and essentially take it around, uh, you know, as in the circus and carnivals around the country and promote it. So, uh, so it the body was shipped. Uh, 
Johnson at first refused to release the body, but then he put it on a train to San Francisco. But there was a mistake, and it ended up in Arkansas City, Kansas instead. Another Arkansas, Kansas. What the (laughs) hell? So he was meant to send this to who he thought was uh, Aver, or who he thought was McCurdy's brother, puts it on a train to San Francisco. It ends up instead in Kansas. You know, it's like in the lost luggage department. I was going to say he should have used FedEx. (laughs) Should have. Uh, anyway, it was claimed uh, in in Kansas. Well, hell yeah, free body. <laughs> There's a free body. I'm gonna take it. And end up, uh, it was uh, the where uh, the whereabouts of the body was unknown for several years. But it ended up in the uh, display at the Great Patterson Carnival Show, a traveling carnival, um, in the uh, nineteen uh, early 1900s. 1919. Um, so, so this thing, this body kind of rolls around the country at these different. Elmark <laughs> <laughs> is going around, you know, he, they, they're, they're, they, the Patterson's Traveling Carnival, they, they um, uh, titled him The Outlaw Who Would Never Be Captured Alive. <laughs> Yeah. They come up with a big story on him. Well, he, that's what he said. You'll never take me alive. And he shot himself in the chest. So, you know, he becomes an attraction at this carnival to tours all over the country until Patterson, the owner of the carnival, got into a little financial problem, and he sold his operation to a man named Louis Sonny. Um, and Louis Sonny, a uh, one-time Washington sheriff, uh, acquired Elmer and his uh, for his Wild West show oh, uh, as collateral on a five hundred dollar loan that he made to uh, Patterson. So he used McCurdy's uh, cor- corpse in the traveling museum of crime. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was a high grade criminal. Which show a show that was featured wax replicas of outlaws such as uh, Bill Dolan and Jesse James. In 1928, the corpse was part of the official sideshow of uh, that accompanied the Trans American, the Great Trans American Foot Race. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but yeah. apparently it was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. First one to slap the body across the finish I line. Guess. You I know guess. You know, when you was a kid, you'd have a race. It's like first one that hits a tree. Yeah. Well, first one that hits a dead body, hits a corpse up there. He yeah, was. I think he was like a sideshow. So they were, whoever <laughs> would run, I guess they'd have a carnival, or whatever, to, like, to start of the race. I don't know what. It was you like a marathon, I guess. Crocodiles, dead bodies. Yeah, man, that was a long run. <laughs> a thousand miles. Uh, in 1933, uh, the body was acquired by director Dwayne Epser to promote his exploitation film, Narcotic. Oh. Which is, a, I guess, a famous film. I've never seen it. You're like but, Reefer Madness. Yeah, it's kind of like Reefer Madness. Uh, it was... Uh, a movie about the dangers of drugs, and the corpse was kind of used for promotion. They placed the corpse, uh, Elmer's corpse, was placed in the lobby of movie theaters <laughs> as a dead, as do- a-, a dead dope fiend. <laughs> I wonder how many times they changed outfits on Elmer. I don't know. <laughs> Who uh, Esper claimed had been killed uh, while surrounded by police after he robbed a drugstore to mm-hmm. support his nasty habit. So. Uh, it was used to promote that film. <laughs> um, by that time, the skin of McCurdy... I was going to say, when does he start to decay? Because this like The Walking, but now I'm Walking Dead. I mean, how long does he let, hold up? Well, by this time in 1928, his body... Or 1933, his body started to shrivel. His skin mm-hmm. started to shrivel and harden and reduce in size so that it was that of a child. Because, you know, the... the yeah. People were shorter back then anyway, and, and now, you know, he's beginning to shrink. Um, but uh, that was okay with Esper. He just pointed out that the skin deterioration is, was proof that the uh, dope fiends, uh, was the, <laughs> proof that the, the effects of uh, the dope fiends' uh, uh, drug abuse habit. So he blamed it on the narcotics that... Oh, Yeah. So anyway, after Sunni <laughs> died in 1949, the corpse was placed in a story in storage in Los Angeles warehouse. So it was there uh, from 1949 to 1964. In 1964, Sony's son Dan 
uh, loan the corpse to filmmaker David F. Friedman, and the body made a brief appearance in Friedman's 1967 film *She Freak*. <laughs> so it must have been some so B-rated. A, so he uh, went from sci-fi. a mad bomber to a sideshow guy. <laughs> To now a dope fiend. No, he's an extra in movies. To an actor, yeah. He's. A, yeah. I wonder if he got a, a if he got a got paid for that. You know, I don't think he got any royalties at all. In 1968, for uh, Dan Suna sold the body again, along with other wax figures. <laughs> By this point, they're thinking he's a wax figure, right? He's, <laughs> they sold sold him along with other wax figures for ten thousand dollars to the to Spoonie Singh. The owner of the Hollywood Wax Museum. Oh, hell yeah. So now some little Asian guy owns it. Yeah. Uh, Singh had bought the... Uh, and he put him on as the tallest man in the world. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> There's a bunch of little Asian guys running around. Singh then had bought the figures for two Canadian men who were exhibiting them at, at a show in Mount Rushmore. So they're guessing a little sideshow oh, going yeah. on. So now he's at Mount Rushmore. While being exhibited there, uh, poor Elmer sustained some damage in a windstorm. <laughs> the tips of his ears, along with his fingers and toes, were blown off. So he survived all those blasts. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, because you would have figured it would be him that would blow his fingers and ears off. Yeah, but instead it was some windstorm in, uh, Mount, at Mount Rushmore. Uh, the men eventually returned McCurdy back to sing who decided that the corpse looked too gruesome and not life, not lifelike enough to exhibit. <laughs> so he doesn't look as good as no, the wax figures. Not a bastard, just got it too ugly. Yeah. In 1976... <laughs> Holy shit! Was he, on, was he on the Ford ticket? <laughs> in, the, in 1976, McGurdy's corpse was painted orange... <laughs> Used as a rope cone and and uh, hung in the Laugh in the Dark Funhouse <laughs> exhibition at the Pike Amusement Zone in Long Beach, California. So I guess he got sold again to an <laughs> owner of the Pike. People knew it was an actual body. Well, that's it. They didn't. Yeah. On December eighth, nineteen seventy six. The production crew of the television show The Six Million Dollar Man <laughs> were filming scenes for the episode entitled Carnival of Spies at the uh, Pike Amusement Park in Long Beach, California. During the shot, a prop man moved what he thought was a Max mannequin that was hanging from the gallows. When the mannequin's arm broke off, a human bone <laughs> and muscle tissues were visible. Oh. Police were called in on the Six Million Dollar Man set. Police were called in. That was with who? Who did that? Steve Lee Majors. Austin. No, Lee, Lee Majors. Majors. Yeah, the character was Steve Austin. Lee Majors. When the ma- uh, so well, that's when he was married to Farrah Fawcett. It was, yeah. She was the bi- bionic woman. Right? That's before she got the animal. No, she wasn't a bionic woman. No, that was, that was Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay Wagner. Yeah. So She was in Charlie's Angels, his wife. Okay, so when uh, the arm broke off, human bone and muscle tissue was visible. They contacted the police. The police came in, and the mummified corpse of Elmer McCurdy was taken to the Los Angeles coroner's office. On December 9th, Joseph... Chu, uh, Dr. Joseph Chu, the coroner, conducted an autopsy and determined that the body was that of a human male who had died of a gunshot wound to the chest. Oh, yeah. Dr. Chu, I wonder if that's the character that they made. Remember the coroner that, um, I forget, Jack Klugman played? Yeah. Forget his name. Uh, but I think it was after Quincy. Uh, Quincy, yeah. I think it was after this Dr. Chu who was a, who did all, it was in oh, Los yeah. Angeles yeah. and did all the celebrity deaths and mm-hmm. The body was completely um, petrified. Petri- wow, well, I think yeah. so, yeah. Covered and in so wa- was the person whose arm, who grabbed his arm and it, it fell, fell off. off. It was covered in wax and was covered with layers of paint. <laughs> orange paint. It was bright orange paint. It weighed approximately 50 pounds and was 63 inches in height. I don't know how much. 63, that'd be 5 foot 3 inches. Okay, in height. Thank you. 
Tests were conducted. Uh, an examination also revealed incisions uh, from his original autopsy and embalming, so that made sense. Tests conducted on the tissue show the presence of arsenic, arsenic which was a component of the embalming yeah, fluid used made sense. in the late 1920s. Tests also revealed uh, tuberculosis in the lung. Consumption. Yep, consumption, which uh, McCurdy had developed while working as a miner, we said. And scars, bunions and scars. Oh, at, not the bunions. At the, oh. That McCurdy was documented to have had. So it all made sense. <laughs> you know what? I don't. This is what I don't get, Timmy. Now, have you ever had a bunion? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. They're painful. Now, a hundred years from now, now you you look how far we've advanced in technology, communications. Oh, dude, don't even, records. Don't, don't even say it. And don't we you, know this son bitch had bunions. You know they're going to say, you know, a hundred years from now, yeah, this guy had herpes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had the, <clears throat> he had AIDS. He had the AIDS. He had yeah. the crabs. Yeah. Had the body life. <laughs> so, um... So, uh, while the, uh, what they found was that um, while the bullet that caused the fatal wound uh, presumably was removed uh, from the original autopsy, uh, the bullet jacket was found in his body. So, it was in there the whole at, time. He might have been pointing the gun backwards. Yeah, he may have lived. They took the damn <laughs> yeah. thing out. Um, so... Uh, so these clues helped investigators pinpoint the error in which the man had been killed. Further clues to the man's identity were found uh, when they did a dental analysis. So inside the mouth was a 1924 penny <laughs> and ticket stubs to the uh, side, Pike Sideshow <laughs> and the Louis Sony's Museum of Crime. So they're just putting tickets in this guy's mouth and you pennies. Know, you live a fucked up life, Timmy. You think, oh, finally it's over. I get some rest. I get to go, you know. And man, it goes on for a hundred more years. <laughs> yeah. Forensic anthropologist Dr. Clyde Snow was called in to help to make the positive identification. Dr. Snow took radiographs of the skull and placed them over the photo of McCurdy, McCurdy taken at the time of his death. Uh, in a process called superimposition. So I guess that's what they do now. Superimposition? Yeah. You know what that is, Timmy? Mm-hmm. That's basically when the devil shows up for a podcast. <laughs> superimposition. <laughs> yeah, you're right there. Snow was determined by the skull, but the snow was able to determine by the skull that it was indeed the corpse remains of one Elmer McCurdy. <laughs> this poor bastard. By December the 11th, of 1976, the story of McCurdy's journey had been featured in newspapers and on television and radio. Several funeral homes called the coroner's office offering to bury McCurdy free of charge, but the officials decided to wait and see if any living relatives would come forward and claim the body. It's been 60-some years. I don't think any relatives are going to show up. No, I don't think anybody coming for him. However... Uh, when no one did show up, Fred Olds, who represented the Indian Territory Posse of Oklahoma Westerns, I guess some you know Western uh, cowboy type of society, eventually convinced Dr. Thomas Noguchi, then the chief medical examiner of the coroner of the county of Los Angeles, so they got a new coroner, to allow him to bury the body in Oklahoma. After further testing to ensure proper identification, Olds was allowed to take custody of the body. On April 22, 1977, a funeral procession was conducted to transport McCurdy's body to the Boot Hill section of the Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma. So he finally got a resting place. He did. A graveside service was attended by approximately 300 people Hmm. uh, and was conducted after McCurdy was buried next to another outlaw, Bill Doolin. Well, you know, which is funny because had they buried the the dumb sumbitch when he died... Yeah, he wouldn't have gotten no recognition. He wouldn't have had nobody. No, he'd been uh, tossed in Potter's Field, and uh, (laughs) that would have been all. But um, to ensure (laughs) that McCurdy's body would not be stolen... Um, they, uh, the body was buried in two, uh, uh, buried and uh, two feet of concrete was poured over the coffin. <laughs> so finally but then, arrested. But then somebody came along <laughs> with nitroglycerin, with six, <laughs> six ounces of nitroglycerin, blew the headstone oh, into the my next God. body. <laughs> what a story! That's the story of outlaw Elmer McCurdy. Now that's working hard to be an outlaw. Man, too. I'm telling you, he did. So. <laughs> 
So I just my favorite part is being chased down the street by a seventy eight year old lady. <laughs> After you bought up the bag. <laughs> yeah. She pissed cause you knocked her down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the poor guy. Okay, Colonel, any final thoughts on Outlaw Elmer? No, you know, I think I think hopefully this will be a cautionary tale for the devil and she'll start living straight. I would, today. I would hope so. Man, she needs to learn or she's gonna end up like Elmer. She's gonna end up with tickets in her mouth. <laughs> she is. Oh, my God. Okay, where can people find us, Colonel? You can go. The best way to find us is go right to the you, you, to the iTunes. Mm-hmm. Now, we're gonna, I am working on a YouTube channel, but go right to the iTunes. Um, find us. Tell us what you think. Go right to our Facebook page, History Dweebs. Yeah, we, we um, have a group Facebook page on, on Facebook. We have yeah. a regular Facebook page. We have a group Facebook page. We have a t- uh, Twitter, at History Dweebs 1. But mostly people interact on the on a regular, on Facebook, regular page. Facebook page. Just look up History Dweebs. Mm-hmm. We post stuff up there all the time. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. It's a lot of interesting stuff, or stuff I find interesting anyway. I post yeah, that, it's actually, the, is, and as I've said before, if, you, if you're an actual History Dweeb, it's a great page. My son, um, who, you know, won't listen to a podcast to save his life to ungrateful little son of a bitch, I uh, the son that I'm paying for to go to this can graduate from college this year. You know, Scott said you can't, you're cussing more on the podcast. He said to point that out to you. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, you know why it is, Scott? <laughs> it's because my damn kid's been home for three weeks. That's why I'm cussing more. My blood pressure's higher. My I got less hair than it's so. The, what I do has more gray. So you're talking about Taylor? You you say he listen he reads No, I'm the, talking about Tanner the oh, rapper. Okay. Um. So anyway, he uh, he's like, oh man, I love your history, that history dweebs page. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, what did you think of what? He's like, oh, I don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> uh, it, it's it, true. We have people who just follow the page and never listen to a podcast, and then we have people who listen to the podcast and never go to our page. It's kind of weird, but we'd like for you to do both, of course. But if you do one, that's cool with us. Uh, and then there's some people, the very devoted dweebs out there, that do both. They go to they check out our yeah. page, and they also and, and it's a podcast. funny thing, Timmy. Um, it used to be because because of, of the colonel job here where I work, um, it's it's tied to employment. And when the economy was getting really bad, every month the unemployment numbers would come out, and every month the news would come down here, and I would have to be the one that I would be the one that got interviewed. I was. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, considered an expert in the field at something. I believe that. And my boys, now you, you know, you think it's it's a kind of an exciting thing. Yeah, you know, being like, on, being interviewed. For hey, I'm going to be news. on Channel Nine News and Channel right. Twelve News tomorrow and Channel whatever. Right. Do you know what my boys used to do? Right. They would list. They would watch them to see if I was making stuff up as I went along. <laughs> They would, accuse me, <laughs> they would accuse me of making stuff up, and they'd be like, no, nah, that's not a real answer. You're making that one up, Dad. And uh, and I was never making things up. But only rarely did they watch me. And when they did, you know, you think most people, most kids, because they was young then. Right, they were right. going back to, what, 2007? Yeah, so, you know, th- these boys are... Only 13 years mm-hmm. old. Right. And Logan's even younger. You think right. they'd be running around school telling me, hey, my dad was on TV. My dad's going to be on TV. They wouldn't even watch a damn thing. <laughs> and then if Renee happened to have it on, when it came on, she'd be like, hey, you're here. They'd look at it and be like, yeah, I don't think he's telling the truth. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the kind of kids I got. So, Scotty J, if you ask why I'm cussing more, that should slow down because they are all safely back at college that I am paying for. <laughs> All right, so find us on Facebook, find us on iTunes, find us uh, on Twitter. Uh, hoping, hopefully, Brandy's Twitter is fixed now because you know her Twitter was broke. She had the broken twat, Timmy. <laughs> she had the broken twat. We'll see you Brandy next time. Brandy could not twat anyway. Yes, any final words for Brandy? Uh, yeah, yeah, Brandy, if, I know it's an illness and I don't want to judge you, <laughs> but you thieving some bitch. Could you just just live right, fly right for a little bit so you can make the podcast? And if while you're in there, you know, do some research for the story while you're in there. Get yeah, a story. read a script for yeah. the love of God. We emailed it to you. Yeah. Brandy liked the mafia. They seen her so many times. She got one of those speed cards where you go yeah. in there. They just wave they her just on wave in. Just yeah. wave her on in. Yeah, Brandy, welcome back. She got a PlayStation in her cell. <laughs> she liked the mafia. It's like when John Gotti went to jail. Yeah, That's yeah, what he did yeah. with the devil. Yeah, she's got, she's got her own suite. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, so check us out on Facebook, check us out on iTunes, and we'll see you all next time on History Do We. Good day, listeners. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.